You're listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you'd like to know more about Hope Central or any of our ministries, please visit hopecentral.org.au. are talking about a destination known and you know it's been very curious during um, this coronavirus time how many people have decided that it's the end times and I get thrown all these end times scriptures that people are misquoting because they don't really know we don't know enough about the end times to know if it's the end times and the Bible actually says that doesn't it you're not going to know and I remember when I first became a Christian they were telling me in 1987 Jesus was coming back next year And they were quoting the same scriptures. Yes, it must be getting closer because now I'm 51, but we still don't know. So we really wanted to make you feel sure about where you're going during this next season. So we are talking about our destination being known. So you may be aware or you may not, but Joe and I have just had a three-week break. Now, it was a break Different to normal holidays, you know, we obviously couldn't go overseas for one, but what we had talked to the board about and what we'd noticed in other church leadership things that we're reading is that pastors get weary and it's a different kind of weary to just, you know, physical work, it's an emotional weariness. So we had what we called a sabbatical break. So we took three weeks to actually put all our work down and remember I live in a Renault project so that's not that easy put all our work down and actually focus on being with God being restored and it was just fantastic so what I did was I armed myself with a new notebook who loves a new notebook it's got to be a spiral one so you can pull the pages out new notebook and a new book to read which Charlotte had loaned me which was fantastic thank you Charlotte and I was ready for my my three-week sabbatical and I took to my three-week sabbatical these two questions what will I take with me into the next season? That's my number one question. I'll go over that. And what I decided that I would take with me during my three weeks of sabbatical was my love for God, my absolute devotion for God, my love for my family, and I just want to acknowledge Anna lost her dad this week. So we've had a, fa- a sad family week, haven't we? Yep, and and the kids as well. So our hearts are with them. Yeah. I love for my family, my extended family as well, of course. My love for my team. I I work with the best group of people. They're just amazing. And my love for you guys, my love for the church. You know, what I took away from this time was I love being a pastor of this church. It's absolutely it's such a hard job. But it's such a privilege. The other thing I wanted to, I decided I was going to take with me into the next season is my passion for our vision and values. And I don't think we've talked about them enough, and that's what we're doing during this season. What will I leave behind were my two questions. The second one was, what will I leave behind? Maybe that's a good question for you guys if you can have a proper break. What I was leaving behind was my fear of failure. That's my big one. I've been working on that all year. 
So you might not realise this, but I work very, very hard to, and I'm constantly in my mind trying to make people happy. I think that's my job. Well, it's actually not. But that's what I do, and it wears me out. So what I'm leaving behind in this season is people's opinions about me and the striving to make you guys happy. I can't do it. You, you take that up with God. If you're not happy with what I'm doing, happy for feedback, that's fine. But at the end of the day, I'm doing my best. I'm just a person. There's a lot of people, a lot of criticism, but I'm just doing my best. That's all I can do every day. So I feel a lot lighter, feel a lot fresher, and I'm really glad to be this side of that break, and I feel heaps better. So thanks to the board for their wisdom and guidance. I really appreciate that. So the interesting thing was, the more time I spent with God, and the more I read and was very intentional about what is God saying to me in this season, the more I felt passionate, absolutely, resolutely passionate, that the answer for all of us is the church. Jesus is absolutely on the throne. We adore him, I adore him. I'm not sure where you're at with your journey, but I adore him. But the church is how we get well. It's how we get healed. It's how we get whole. It's how we meet people that aren't like us. It's how we shape who we are. We, we come from a family. We have this what we call group think. You think you're getting varied opinions, but you're not. It's just your family opinion. And if the voices you're only listening to is in your household or in your your siblings or your aunties and uncles, it's one voice. We need different opinions to, to have a different perspective. So I'm passionate about the church. So what I want to do is share some things with you about our journey and when we're headed. The three words we use to describe our vision is reach, restore and release. They actually go in a circle. And it looks like this. I made that circle. That took me about two hours because I'm not that great with technology. So everyone said, that's a really good circle, right? Yeah, yeah. I could have drawn it for you, but I had it all on that stupid screen. And there it is. See, the thing is with reach, restore, release is we do it circular because we get reached, we get restored, and then we re get released, but then we go around again because we're reaching people, helping them be restored and released. So it's a constant, constant going around. The other thing is we are in the business of being apprenticed, I'm going to use the word not disciples today, apprenticed to Jesus. Now Lily's just finished her apprenticeship and what that looks like is she's worked alongside someone training, learning, developing. That's what Christianity is. Christianity isn't sitting here and listening to us for an hour. Christianity, your life in Christ, is what you do as an apprentice of Jesus, which is being reached, being restored and being released. So Matthew 28, 18 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
So that's where we got reach, restore, release from. That's the instruction from Jesus that that's what we need to do. So what is reach? Now, reach is loving your neighbours. Loving your neighbours. It's pretty simple. It's helping your neighbour. It might be getting to know them. And of course, if you can share your faith with your neighbour, that's really, really important. You might be thinking, I'm actually not very good at sharing my faith. I don't really know where to start. Maybe you could just invite them into church and they could actually feel God's presence and hear some songs and ask some questions. That might be a way you could invite them or you could invite your neighbour's kids to Sunday school. Just invite them. Galatians 5, 13 to 14 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. We are free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh... Rather, serve one another humbly and in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. See, this isn't a rule that we have to do stuff for people, but it's an opportunity to make a difference. Now, I've just been building a relationship with one of my neighbours, and what I've found is... I, I love that experience. I love that connectedness with him and it's, it's adding value to me as well as him. So the reason we do it is because it's good for us too. It's not just good for them. We're not just a helping charitable acts. We're actually building relationships and it's really adding value to my life as well. And you know, I want people who see my actions, to actually ask me, why am I the way I am? It's not always Bible bashing. It might be just because you're showing kindness. Restore. What is restore? See, this is our Salisbury building early on, and that car park is full because people are helping build the Salisbury building, as you can see from Nadine and Keir in that picture. That's what it looked like when we got it. It looked worse than that. That's actually not too bad. See, restoring is working alongside other people. It's about building connections. And we believe the way people are restored through discipleship and through apprenticeship is working alongside each other. So if you don't have to have a certain amount of skills. You can be involved in many levels. And as we do the discovery course, we've got eight areas that non-skilled people in our church can help with. And if you're not involved in our church, the likelihood is you're not very connected. You don't have friends in our church because when you serve, you are shoulder to shoulder and you get to know people. And that's how you build relationships is actually by serving alongside each other. So we believe restoration happens when you work alongside or volunteer alongside someone in a project or in our church community. Cafe team needs people. It's not that hard to put salads together. Ask Leonie. It's not that hard. There's lots of things that we need help with. And if you don't have relationships here, it's because you're not doing something. You get restored by doing something with God's people. It's a circle. You do stuff. Music team. I'm not musical. If you're on the music team, you don't have to wear a mask, though. I'm thinking about that. (laughs) Who else? I can't sing, but I'll give it a go. You won't mind, will you? Surely. So, and the thing is, you know, like people have said, do you know you've got like a drug dealer that puts the chairs out? And we're like, yeah, we do. Jesus accepts 
everybody. We do not exclude people in this building. We've got people in this community who have done things that you're not happy with. That's fine. But what our job is, is to love and embrace and they get well through being reached. And they get restored through spending time with us because they're accepted. We're not an elite group of people that do stuff. We're actually a group of people that just love each other and accept each other. And sometimes packing up chairs is all that person can do to feel like they're contributing. So we're not going to put the judgment stick out. We're actually going to put it away. And whoever wants to help is welcome. So that includes all you guys. Love you to help. That'd be fantastic. It's just, I love looking at those pictures. It's so great, isn't it, to see people do stuff. Now, I have the absolute privilege. I'm going to cry all day today, I just know. I'm still sad about Anna's dad, so let's just be, let's be real. There's going to be a lot of crying. I have tissues, good. I have the absolute privilege of working alongside some young people in our church. They are doing their absolute best to live their best Jesus life they are amazing. There's one of them. There's another one. Now, they, they are being cared for, loved, supported, encouraged, and they are growing and serving in this place. They're amazing. See, God's work isn't for a chosen few. You might know um, some people that you think, why do they get to do stuff? It's because they're willing. That's who we take. So these beautiful young people have put their faith in Jesus and in their community and are serving alongside us. And it's absolutely such a privilege. I love, I learned so much from these young guys. It's amazing. I can't do hardly anything if Sam's not here. I have to ring him all the time. So these young people have actually made serving Jesus their highest priority. They could put us to shame, to be honest, You know, you might say, I've got family, I've got this, I've got that. But they they could be doing a whole lot more, but they're choosing to put some things aside to carve out that time. We all get to do that. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of of the Holy Spirit. See, every one of those young people are hopeful that what they're doing will make a difference. Young people want to make a difference in their community. They really do. They're not doing it because they just like computers. They're doing it because they want to see people reach for Jesus. So, what have we done in the past? I don't know if you know, but we've been in this church since about 2008, I'm going to say. I'm not great with year years but when we moved into community we saw a, an email it came to joe that was quite a while ago i don't know what emails even looked like they're probably like this and i don't know seven words on them but this email came to joe and it was sent to all the pastors in the north and it said is there a church in the area that could possibly help a school that's in really really bad situation do you think that anyone could help and joe sent said I think he printed it out because I didn't even have email probably at that time. Joe gave me this email and he said, look, could you maybe go meet with a school? I don't know what we could help with. So I took Kathy to Prodi and we went along to the Elizabeth Vale School and um, had a meeting with the principal, Grant, and he was saying that he had just come aboard as principal and the school was in massive debt. It had overspent for years. So the education department was not going to give them 
more money to repair the building. And the building was had some pretty big issues. Um, they really under-resourced. There was, there was repair on the building, the resources were low, the morale was shocking, the grounds looked terrible. So we decided, as a church, we were the only ones that responded to that email. No slight on anyone else, I just think that that was the right timing for us. We decided that we would give them a hand. So what we did was we did, did some work, Kathy and I, we did our best contact, and we managed to raise $40,000 in materials to restore that school. The two of us, quite, quite surprising. We are bossy, but I still thought it was surprising. So after that, we built more relationships in the north because we saw those needs, and we worked alongside the Elizabeth Special School, Northern Domestic Violence, Northern Carers Network, and Nick Champion helped us with all of those things. So we started doing fundraising events, and some of you have been around long enough to be at some of those events. There's one of our events that's called Championing the Cause, which we could do because Nick Champion was helping us, so that was fun. And we did an art auction as well. Mac, do you want to just hold up the picture? I don't know if anyone's ever seen, if you're new... That's upside down. That's the right way. So um, Derek and, and uh, Mary Rawlings, who used to be here, you can pop that down, thank you. She helped, um, and Derek and Mary and a few other people helped the students do some art at the special school. And we did a fundraiser, which was great. And we raised $38,000 in one night at an auction of art. That'd be nice, Candace, wouldn't it? <laughs> Making that kind of money. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty amazing. So we, we realised we could do this quite well. So what we did was we made sure this facility could accommodate functions and we did things like that. And we um, uh, did memorabilia in those days. People bought Guernseys. We don't even know what football is anymore, I don't think. But, and we did the Cinderella Ball. Some of you guys are at that. Um, that was fun. So there's a little picture of some of our guys in the Cinderella Ball, which is cute. But we did a, a whole heap of events to build our community, um, help much-needed funds to these groups that really couldn't get funds. And our church was about 100 people. Pretty small group of people, isn't it, for that kind of money. We raised, in that time, maybe over about five years, more than $300,000 and we did not take a cent and never would we because we raised it for the community. We always paid for anything to do with us. We all bought tickets, we all bought stuff. So it was great, it did build our reputation but what it relied on was me not working in the church, working in the community and learning about the needs, building connections, building relationships um, and it really was very heavily reliant on Kathy and I. Not a lot of you had to do very much, but everyone was very proud of what we did, and that's lovely, and people did help. There was certainly a small team that worked very hard from here. Absolutely, I can see some people in the room that worked very hard. But the reality was there was a very small group of people. It really wasn't the whole church, and I think that was great for a season, but, you know, the special school isn't there anymore. It's actually a Muslim uh, school. The special school got a new facility. All those people moved on. All those kids grew up. Lucky Sid's sister went there. That was fantastic. But people move on, and it was great for a season, but it was a season. 
and we're not in that season. And I still have people say to me, I loved it when we did those fundraisers. Good. <laughs> it's, if you want to do a fundraiser, great. I will cheer you on. But my job is to be pastor of this church. It's fine in that season, but my job is to help you be equipped to what you should be doing in the community, not me leading what needs to happen in the community. So in this season, I am telling you, we are doing our mission. It is reaching people for Jesus, it's restoring people to their faith, and it's releasing people. That's what we're doing in this room. And if you're coming here, I'm going to do my very best to get you to do that as well. Because it's not just about you, it's about what's out there. It's what we're doing. You know, the special school really appreciated the support and there was a whole lot that was really fantastic in that season. But it's time to move on. You know, it might be, you might have a real passion for something and I will absolutely be your cheerleader for your idea. But that's the end of my fundraising days, I hope. Can you see what that says? Stop thinking someone else is going to do your Jesus job. Everybody has a job to do for Jesus. And it may be the same as the job you get paid for, but it may be very, very different. Mine is similar. I get paid by Jesus, so that works. But you might have a very different Jesus job to your regular job. If you haven't worked out what your Jesus job is, Maybe do discovery course. That could be really helpful. Fill in a connect card to say you want to do that. That'd be great. But is it time, if you're thinking you haven't got to what Jesus wants you to do, is it time for you to make some changes? You know what we did? We sold a house. Did you see my last house? And then I moved into this beep, as my girlfriend said, box. She said, you went from that to this? I'm like, yeah, we've got no mortgage. It's fantastic. We made a massive change so that we could carve out more time because we have no debt. That was important to us. And I just want to challenge you guys. If you want to do something different, you need to do something different to make it happen. What does your being apprenticed to Jesus look like? What does your Jesus job look like? Maybe it looks different to what your job looks like now. So if you're too busy to help us in here on Sunday or during the week or, you know, at night time, whatever, maybe you need to think about where your priorities are. Is there a way you can carve out to make this church great for the community? What can you do if you're just here an hour and a half a week? You're not serving the church. You're just coming and sitting in the service. And that's okay, but it doesn't make our church great. What makes our church great is when people volunteer, can come into the cafe on Friday, can help Leone. There's a whole heap of stuff you could contribute to that would make our church great and be really impacting on people. But it's up to you. I'm doing my bit. Are you being challenged to do something different? I hope so. Remember, if we're apprenticed to Jesus, our jobs should reflect that. Do you know who this young lady is? I hope so. See, this photo is really, really special to me. Can you see their connection? Can you see that? Now, Tay's on the spectrum. That, is, that, is, that takes a lot of trust to have that closer connection. 
You cannot fake that connection in a photo. That is time, love, sweat and tears, both ways. So if you're just coming to get stuff here, you're going to wear someone out. But if you're coming to get and to give, you, you can have that. And, and our Gen Connect Challenge may give you that. You may be surprised, so stay tuned for that. This is a journey of friendship and of apprenticeship to Jesus. And Leonie gets as much from Tay as Tay gets from Leonie. They have a beautiful bond. They have worked hard to get to know each other. They've been honest. They've cried together. They've laughed together. They tease each other. It is fantastic. It is worth the effort. Worth it. If you haven't got someone that you've connected one-on-one with in this church, our Gen Connect Challenge may surprise you. Trust us. Give us your time when we tell you more about it. Not today. Not today. Each of you should please our neighbours for their good to build them up. None of us lives for ourselves alone. None of us dies for us, uh, ourselves alone either. We're talking about destination known. Romans 15.5 says, May the God who gives you endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity amongst yourselves as you follow Jesus Christ so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our goal is unity here in this room. The church is the answer to your wellness because Jesus is here and people that can love, correct, guide, support are here. And people you can love, correct, guide, support are here too. So we, each one of us during this season, needs to commit to reaching, restoring and releasing people, whether that's in this building or in your community. That's our job. It's our job. It's not an hour and a half on Sunday. That is not a Jesus disciple. You get to choose if you just come on Sunday and and that's just your church thing. But if you're a disciple of Jesus, you can't fit it in an hour and a half a week. It's going to take you a lot more time than that. A lot more, like every day, every minute. Okay. Just reading this book at the end of my, my Sabbath break. Old book, Philip Yancey. Fantastic book. Finding God in Unexpected Places. And he talks about, he's a Christian journalist, and he talks about reporting on the, they called it the mega disaster in the year, I think about 2000 actually. And it was a mega, mega disaster famine between Kurdistan, Rwanda, Sudan and Ethiopia. And he was at this refugee camp, just seas and seas of people. And he said, I dared not confine my field of vision to the scenes of suffering around me. I needed to look up. He saw so much suffering around him, he needed to look up. What a, what a place to be in. You know what he saw? saw that. See, looking up to the sky reminds us we are but a tiny, tiny speck 
in the ultimate universe creator's world. We are a tiny speck. Our creator is up there in the heavens looking at up, looking at us. So today, I want to remind you guys to look up. You might think you're living in this body now and it might be the most important thing in your brain, but it is fleeting, fleeting. We live for such a short time and our destination is there. We need to look up. Just want to finish with this little story about, you know the guy Job in the Bible? Really confusing book to me. Doesn't talk about Jesus. I don't, you know, it is a, a tricky book. But what we do know about Job is he was in constant, constant pain. He'd had everything taken away from him, his family, his money, he, just everything. Everything was gone. He was in constant pain and he complains and complains and complains. 38 chapters of complaining. Wow, I thought I was good at complaining. So God stays silent for a very, very long time. But in chapter 38 to chapter 41, God rages, cuts sick at Job, cuts sick people. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind and he says, why are you using your ignorance to deny my providence? Now get ready for a fight, Job, for I am going to demand answers from you and you must reply. Where, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Have you given the horse strength or clothed, clothed his neck with quivering mane? Have you made him able to leap forward like locusts? His majestic snorting is something to hear. And then he goes on and on and on. Do you know about ostriches? Have you seen those eggs? And the mums, she just like takes off. It's so weird. And do you know about hippopotamus? What about hawks? Well, the hippopotamus, they've got like bodies like this and they can run really fast and they've got tails. He goes on and on for chapters and chapters. And then he hits Job with a perspective shift. He says, can you hold back the stars? Can you restrain Orion or Pleiades? Is that how you say it? I don't know. Can you ensure the proper sequence of the seasons? Can you do that? Or guide the constellation of the bear with its satellites across the heavens? Do you know the laws of the universe and how the heavens influence the earth? Can you shout to the clouds and make it rain? Can you make lightning appear and cause it to strike direct? Can you do that, Job? You see, in Job's pain and suffering, he lost perspective. He thought his world was here. And God is saying, look up, I'm there. And I run all of this. God is trying to get our perspective back today. He wants us to look up and realise that he is in control and our destination is heaven and we need to live like that. I don't know that we are. I don't know that I am. Then Job replied to God, I know that you can do anything and that no one can stop you. Wow, big line. Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. So, the, so that was Job's apology, right? And God tells Job's friends off 
told them they were idiots, and made them apologise to Job. The Lord blesses Job. This is at the end of the book of Job. God also gave him seven more sons and more daughters. So Job got so much stuff. Hang on, let me just mm, leave it there for a sec. So God gave him seven sons and seven more daughters because he lost all his kids and his wife, right? These were the names of his daughters, Jemima, Kezia, and Kieran. Karen. And in all the land, there were no other girls as lovely as the daughters of Job. And their father put them into his will along with their brothers. Job had such a shift of perspective that he went counterculture and treated his girls like they were the boys. They were equal. Now, if you're living counterculturally, what are you doing that's different? That people are going, did you know about Job? He let his girls have stuff. Who lets girls have stuff? Job did because he had a perspective shift. If you have a perspective shift, what's your life going to look like? Is it going to be different? Were people going to me, did you know Job and Jody sold that massive fancy house and they bought this whatever that thing is? It's a perspective shift and you act differently when you realise you need to act differently. So Job lived 140 years after that, living to see his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren. Then at last he died. An old, old man after living a long, good life. You see, when you understand where your destination is, if you're looking up, you do change your perspective and you change your priorities. My question for you guys today is, are you doing that? Have you made a commitment to Jesus that's made you go, I'm all in? Or are you still sitting out there not committing to an apprenticeship? It's your call, absolutely. But if you want to commit to Jesus, you need to move forward. Your skin is temporary. We lost someone dear to us this week like that. He just didn't wake up. That's death. It's like that. It doesn't take long. It's hard for those that are left behind, but it's really quick. The band is going to come up. So, if you are a citizen of heaven, you need to live like it now. It doesn't start when you go to heaven. It actually starts now. It starts now with how you live. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are with us that you are faith-filled in us, you believe in us, that we can love on you, we can worship you, that we can set our hearts before you and we can say sorry for what we get wrong and we can start again every day as we need to. So Lord, we pray that you speak to us in this moment. We pray that we stop making everything about ourselves but realise our goal is to serve you and to reach people, restore them, and release them. So embed that in our spirits as we sing this next song, Lord. Amen.
Amen. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.